Sergeant? Yes, sir. Establish a recon post downstairs. Code red, repeat. We are at code red. Recon plan, Charlie. Execute. Move, 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 move. It's a... It's a big one. Walt Disney Pictures presents... Star Command, come in. Do you read me? The story of two toys. Oh, there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Headed for a showdown. My name is Woody. This is my spot. Ah! I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. You are a child's plaything! You are a sad, strange little man. And playing by their own rules. Draw! Me again. I don't like confrontation. Buzz looking alien! Where? Ah! <laughs> You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> oh, oh, when toys come to life. To infinity and beyond. Toy Story. Look out! Ken. Well, good morning and welcome to Life Church. It's the beautiful fall morning. It's going to be 65 degrees. Extra hour of sleep. Toy Story, there's nothing to complain about today. How many of you have seen Toy Story? Raise your hands. Why it's not 100% participation, I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, though. If you don't have your hand raised, I'm going to spoil some things for you today. And so if you were holding out 26 years to watch it later today, you may want to leave the room at this time because I don't want to you know, ruin the surprise for you. But uh, thank you for being here. We're concluding our series, uh, Life at the Movies, today with uh, an all-time great movie. Uh, it's one that, uh, you know, it came out in 1995. I remember when this came out. I remember that trailer. It didn't look like it was from 1947 as much. When I, when I was a kid, that looked like cutting edge. But um, I remember that trailer distinctly and being excited about it. Uh, Toy Story is arguably one of the most successful movies of all time. It was the first uh, fully computer-generated animated film of all time. It was the first Pixar movie of all time. It's one that uh, got nominated for three different, it received three different Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, not just, not just uh, animated, but any screenplay. Uh, if you follow Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 100% rating, which does not happen very often. You can pretty much count it's going to be good if it's 100%. It's ranked on IMDb as the 85th uh, best movie of all time, animated or not. And so it's, it's a highly successful movie. It's a kid's movie, but I think it's successful because the premise of it answers one question that every human asks, whether you're a kid or you're 90 years old, you ask the question, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What's significant? What's my significance in this life? So if you haven't seen the movie, let me catch you up to speed a little bit. I'm just going to go for it and just burst you know, through, even if, if I'm ruining the surprise for you. But the, the movie Toy Story, the premise is that these, these toys all come to life 
uh, at night, you know, or, or when, when humans aren't around, which I don't know what the fascination when I was a kid of movies like that, like Jumanji and Night at the Museum and Toy Story, terrifying. Like, ter- uh, your, your mind wanders as a kid, but that's what happens. They, they come to life when the humans aren't around, and, and Andy, the owner of these particular toys, has a birthday uh, or Christmas, a couple times a year, roughly, and he, every time, is opening presents, the toys gather around to see what is going to be open, because if something's opened, am I going to get replaced and thrown into the donation bin, right? Every parent knows about the donation bin. You need to have one in your house if you don't. And so they're all worried about this. Am I going to get tossed aside? And so Andy, on one of his birthdays, is opening up all of his presents and all the toys are kind of, you know, spying on it to see what's opened. And to their uh, surprise and amazement and relief, no toys look like they're going to replace any of the toys. And so they're like, this is good. And then there's a surprise present that comes out of the closet that mom comes in with and gives it to him. And Andy's opening up that toy. And it is a Buzz Lightyear action figure. Now, Buzz Lightyear uh, was uh, not just any other toy. Buzz uh, says that he's a member of the elite universe protection unit of the Space Ranger Corps. Buzz is something special, or at least he thinks he is. What is it? Can you see what? it? Heck is up there. Woody, who's up there with you? <coughs> uh, Woody, what are you doing under the bed? Uh, nothing, uh, nothing. I'm sure Andy was just a little excited. That's all. Too much cake and ice cream, I suppose. It's just a mistake. Well, that mistake is sitting in your spot, Woody. <laughs> Have you been replaced? Hey, what did I tell you earlier? No one is getting replaced. Now, let's all be polite and give whatever it is up there a nice, big... Andy's room, welcome. Buzz Lightyear to Star Command. Come in, Star Command. Star Command, come in. Do you read me? Why don't they answer? <gasps> My ship! Blast. This will take weeks to repair. Buzz Lightyear mission log, Stardate 4072. My ship has run up course en route to Sector 12. I've crash landed on a strange planet. The impact must have awoken me from hypersleep. Terrain seems a bit unstable. No readout yet if the air is breathable. And there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Whoa! Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Did I frighten you? Didn't mean to. Sorry. Howdy. My name is Woody, and this is Andy's room. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> and also, there has been a bit of a mix-up. This is my spot. See, the bed here? Local law enforcement. It's about time you got here. I'm Buzz Lightyear, Space Ranger, Universe Protection Unit. My ship has crash-landed here by mistake. 
Yes, it is a mistake, because you see, the bed here is my spot. I need to repair my turbo boosters. Do people still use fossil fuels, or have you discovered crystallic fusion? Well, let's see. Uh, we got double A's. <gasps> Watch yourself. Boom. Boom. Who goes there? Don't shoot. It's okay. Friends. Do you know these life forms? Yes. They're Andy's toys. All right, everyone. You're clear to come up. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. Oh, I'm so glad you're not a dinosaur. Bye-bye. Thank you. Now, thank you all for your kind welcome. Say, what's that button do? I'll show you. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Oh. Hey, Woody's got something like that. His is a pool strength, only it. Only it sounds like a car ran over it. Oh, yeah, but not like this one. This is a quality sound system. Probably all copper wiring, huh? So, uh, where are you from? Singapore? Hong Kong? Well, no. Actually, I, I'm, I'm stationed up in the Gamma Quadrant of Sector 4. As a member of the elite Universe Protection Unit of the Space Ranger Corps, I protect the galaxy from the threat of invasion from the evil Emperor Zerg, sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance. Oh, really? I'm from Play School. And I'm from Mattel. Well, I'm not really from Mattel. I'm actually from a smaller company that was purchased in a leveraged buyout. Well, I don't... You think they've never seen a new <laughs> toy before? Well, sure. Look at him. He's got more gadgets on him than a Swiss Army knife. Ah, 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 ah. Please be careful. You don't want to be in the way when my laser goes off. Hey, a laser? How come you don't have a laser, Woody? It's not a laser. It's a, it's a little light bulb that blinks. What's with him? Laser envy. All right, that's enough. Look, we're all very impressed with Andy's new toy. Toy? T-O-Y. Toy. Excuse me. I, I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. Getting kind of tense, aren't you? Oh, uh... Mr. Lightyear, uh, now I'm curious. What does a space ranger actually do? He's not a space ranger. He doesn't fight evil or, or shoot lasers or fly. Excuse me. Oh, impressive wingspan. Very good. Oh, what? What? These are plastic. He can't fly. They are a terillium carbonic alloy, and I can fly. No, you can't. Yes. I can. You can. 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 I tell you, I could fly around this room with my eyes closed. Okay, then, Mr. Lightbeer, prove it. All right, then I will. Stand back, everyone. To infinity and beyond! I found my moving buddy. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you all. Thank you. That wasn't flying. That was falling with style. Man, the dolls must really go for you. Can you teach me that? <laughs> Golly, Bob, howdy. Oh, shut up. Well, in a couple of days, everything will be just the way it was. They'll see. They'll see. I'm still Andy's favorite toy. 
I know some of you are going to go home today and watch this movie now. You forgot how great of a movie it really is. So many one-liners. I still use the I packed my angry eyes line occasionally. That's, that's a good one. But uh, the rest of the movie becomes this battle kind of between Buzz and Woody. And they end up becoming friends at the end of the movie, but there's this battle going on. And they both have this question that they have to answer throughout the movie. They both struggle with this identity of what's my purpose? Who am I? What was I created to do? What's significant about me? If we're honest, we've all asked that question at different times in our life. What's my purpose? Maybe it's that you're walking through a difficult season. You're in a valley, or maybe you've been in a valley before, and all you can see is the mountain in front of you, and you just kind of get in this funk of saying, God, what is your plan in all of this? What's my purpose? What's this all about? Sometimes it, it might be a, a milestone. Maybe, you know, you turn 40, you turn 50, you turn 60, whatever that mile marker is, and, and you start to ask questions. It makes you become introspective, saying, God, I haven't had much significance. What is my purpose here? What are you doing with my life? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? Or maybe it's in, in the middle of a, a dead-end job where it just feels like you're trading days for dollars and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of significance to it. Or maybe you, you see other people having success and it makes you think about your own and, God, what's your purpose in all of this? If we're honest, we've all had those times, we've all had those moments where we've struggled with the question of what's my purpose. It's no question, no wonder why The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren from years ago is still one of the the most successful books of all time because people struggle with this question. They want to know, what's my purpose? Thankfully, the Bible is very clear on this. It talks a lot about what your purpose is. In fact, there's a passage that we're going to read today out of 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. But Peter is specifically writing to Christians here. And he's writing to Christians, the early Christians, who were being persecuted, who were being martyred, who were being unjustly ridiculed, who were just not, it was not an easy time to be a Christ follower whatsoever. And Peter, throughout the book of 1 Peter, is writing them to simply encourage them, to simply remind them. He's not telling them to do anything. He's simply saying, I want to remind you who you are in Christ. Peter knew that they needed encouragement. They needed to be reminded of who they were in Christ. Many of these people had walked the face of the earth while Jesus walked the face of the earth. I mean, they had a lot of evidence and proof. I mean, their faith was strong, and yet they still needed to be reminded who they are in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter says a lot right here. I want to break it down a little bit. There's a few things that he, that, that he says that I think are so important for us to grab a hold of this morning and be reminded of this morning. Whether you've been a Christ follower for one day or 70 years, it doesn't matter. You need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. The first thing we see here is that you are not who you were. You are not who you were. It's important for us to understand that. 1 Peter 2.10 says, Once you were not a people... But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have 
receive mercy. He's comparing what happens at salvation, that you are no longer who you used to be. You're no longer defined by who you were. You're now defined by who you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you might say, that sounds great, but it's not that easy. It's, uh, that sounds awesome, but I still struggle with some of the things that I used to be. And Paul would say, yes, you, you will struggle with some of those things, but that doesn't mean you have to be defined by them. There will be a struggle on this side of eternity. And he describes it in uh, Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. He says it this way, so I find this law at work. Although I, do not, uh, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul describes this dynamic that happens, that even though your spirit has been renewed when you receive Christ, your soul and your body still are subject to the penalty of sin and death. They're still subject to the sinful nature on this side of eternity. Your spirit's been renewed, but your mind and your, your body and your soul still have issues. They still have things that you deal with on this side of eternity. And what Paul's saying is you don't have to be defined by those things, that you've been new, you've been renewed, you've been made new in Christ Jesus. And so whenever the enemy says, look who you, look who you were. Have you ever had that moment where you are reminded by the enemy of, look who you used to be. Look at the addictions that you used to struggle with. Look at, the, look at where you've came from. Look at who you used to be. You're still that person. Every, every time the enemy does that, you can remind him and say, yes, I used to be, but now, but God, but I've been made new in Christ Jesus. I'm not who I used to be. You are not who you were. The second thing we see is that you are not what you feel. You are not what you feel. Emotions are a great gauge, but they're a terrible guide. How, how many of you have seen that before where it's like, yeah, your emotions can tell you what's going on, but they're a terrible thing to be led, led by, led with. Peter's writing to Christians. These are Christians who, if you read through 1 Peter, you can see it for yourself, but they're grieved, they're tested, they're rejected, they're full of fear, they're insulted, they're in sh ashamed, they're anxious. That's what the first Christians dealt with. And thank God that they were not led by their emotions. Thank God the, um, that their emotions weren't the end all, be all. In fact, if they were led by emotions, I don't know if we'd be here today. They weren't led by their emotions. You are not what you feel. In the movie Toy Story, Buzz has one of these moments where he realizes that he's just a toy. You saw in the opening scene, he clearly did not realize that he was just a toy. He has this realization and he feels dejected and worthless. And for the first time, he's over, be, overcome by emotions and hopelessness. Calling Buzz Lightyear. Come in, Buzz Lightyear. This is Star Command. Buzz Star Lightyear, Command. do you read me? Buzz Lightyear responding, read you loud and clear. Buzz Lightyear, planet Earth needs your help. On the way. Buzz Lightyear, the world's greatest superhero, now the world's greatest toy. Buzz has it all. Blocking wrist communicator. Calling Buzz Lightyear. Karate chop action. Wow. Pulsating laser. 
I'm not a flying toy. Get your Buzz Lightyear action figure and save the galaxy near you! Buzz Lightyear! Available at all Al's Toy Bound outlets in the Tri-County area. This moment is an all-time low for Buzz. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a moment that you can relate to that, you can have a moment where it just feels hopeless. It feels like there's no way out. It feels like the sky is falling. And I can tell you that if you've had those moments and all Christ followers will, will have those moments at different seasons of life, I can tell you you're in good company. Some of the greatest men and women of God throughout scripture, the Bible, finds uh, that it's important to chronicle some of those stories throughout the entire Bible. In fact, you look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist uh, was Jesus' cousin. He was somebody who baptized Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, if you baptize Jesus, like, you're kind of the man. He was the one who announced Jesus' public ministry. He was right at the forefront of all of it. And he gets put in prison and right as soon as he's in prison, he starts to have doubts about who Jesus is. You can read about this. But he actually asks his, his disciples who come, you know, come to the window or whatever, and they, he asks them to go ask, is Jesus really who the Bible says he is? is? Is Jesus really the Son of God? Is he really the Messiah that the Old Testament prophesied about? Or should I be expecting somebody else? There's somebody else who's going to come. John the Baptist has major doubts even in the middle of Knowing, I mean, he knew who Jesus was, and yet he has doubts. He feels hopeless and helpless. You read about Elijah. This is one that is almost comical because he is on, on the mountaintop, literally and figuratively. He calls down fire from heaven, and in the very next chapter, if you read it, it says that he gets into a deep depression, deep despair. He goes underneath a tree, and the Bible says that he just wanted to die. Like he goes from this great God, you know, full of faith moment to 
complete and utter despair the next moment. You can read about these, these types of stories all throughout Scripture. We're all going to have our moments, but aren't you glad that we're not defined by our, by our emotions? That we are not what we feel. Peter points out a third thing, that you are not where you fall. You are not where you fall. You're, you're not where you were, you're not what you feel, and you are not where you fall. This past winter, I, uh, I've always wanted to do this, but never had the right yard to do it, but I made an ice skating rink for my kids. And by my kids, that was my excuse to make an ice skating rink. For me too, I needed to do my Gordon Bombay triple deke in the backyard. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. Um, and so I make this ice skating rink and it was awesome. We had a great time. It, was, it, it made winter a lot more fun. But I realized early on, like, my, my kids haven't done a ton of ice skating in their lives, and so they're going to have to, it's going to take a little while. There's going to be a lot of falls. They're going to, you know, they're going to have to learn along the way. And so, but what if, you know, right away they fall down and I just stand over the top of them and I just say, you're never going to learn. You're never going to ever figure this out. You might as well just stay down there, not get up, don't try again. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you would think I'm a little bit of a psycho, need some help, but it would also provide zero incentive for my kids to ever get up and try again. They'd probably go inside and say, okay, I'm not doing that again. And so often, uh, we can have this perception of God, and not that he's going to stand over us and, and taunt us that way, but we have this perception that he's not really an ever-present help in time of need, that he's not really close as the mention of his name. See, God is a God who wants to be right there when we fall and to reach his hand down and pick us up. I know this because scripture talks about it. In Psalm 40, David, who is also an emotional roller coaster, if you read through the book of Psalms, he's up and down, and thankfully he was not led by his emotions. He was led by God. But in Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I'm so thankful that that's the kind of God that we serve, that we serve a God who picks us up every single time, that we are not defined by where we fall, that that's not what defines us, that's not who we are. You are not where you were. You are not what you feel. You are not where you fall. But then Peter goes on to tell us what we are, who we are in Christ. And he says that you are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. Now, I know this may seem elementary. It may seem obvious. But we often live as though we don't believe that, that you are who God says you are. If we really believe that, it changes the way we live our lives. And my challenge for us today is that we would accept who we are in Christ, the definition of who we are. When Galatians 3 says that you are a child of the most high God, that we would embrace that to, to realize that's not just talking about other Christians, that's talking about me. That's talking about God's creation. See, in Toy Story, Buzz comes to understand that his true identity lies not in the facade of a facetious hero, but in being claimed by somebody else someone who loves him despite his faults.
over here and see if you can get this toolbox off me. Oh, come on, Buzz, I... Buzz, I can't do this without you. I need your help. I can't help. I can't help anyone. Well, sure you can, Buzz. You can get me out of here, and then I'll get that rocket off you, and we'll make a break for Andy's house. Andy's house? Sid's house? What's the difference? Oh, Buzz, you've had a big fall. You, you must not be thinking clearly. No, Woody. For the first time, I am thinking clearly. You were right all along. I'm not a space ranger. I'm just a toy, a stupid little insignificant toy. Whoa, hey, wait a minute. Being a toy is a lot better than being a, a space ranger. Yeah, right. No, it is. Look, over in that house is a kid who thinks you are the greatest, and it's not because you're a space ranger, pal. It's because you're a toy. You are his toy. But why would Andy want me? Why would Andy want you? Look at you. You're a Buzz Lightyear. Any other toy would give up his moving parts just to be you. You've got wings. You glow in the dark. You talk. Your helmet does that, that, that whoosh thing. You are a cool toy. As a matter of fact, you're too cool. I mean, I mean, what chance does a toy like me have against a Buzz Lightyear action figure? All I can do is... There's a snake in my boots! Why would Andy ever want to play with me when he's got you? I'm the one that should be strapped to that rocket. Listen, Buzz, forget about me. You should get out of here while you can. Buzz, what are you doing? I thought you... Come on, Sheriff. There's a kid over in that house who needs us. Now let's get you out of this thing. Yes, sir. Come on, Buzz, we can do it. Woody, it's the moving van. We gotta get out of here now. Come on, Buzz. All right. Buzz, hey, I'm out. Almost there. <laughs> It's, it's a powerful moment in that movie when he looks on the bottom of his shoe and he sees that Andy's name is written there. And as a Christ follower, Peter here is reminding us of that moment that we've had when we accepted Jesus, when we decided to follow him. If, if you're a Christ follower in the room today, you've had that moment and Peter simply reminds us, hey, your name is written on God's heart, that God's heart is written on your, God's name is written on your heart as well, that in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen race, which means that you've been hand-selected by God. 
You are a royal priesthood, which means that you have immediate access to God, that you're ministers of God, that you're a people for his own possession. You're preserved and protected by God. You're a holy nation. That that means that you're set apart from the world for God. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have all been set apart for his own. This past fall, I went to a lot of football games. I had three boys playing football, and so we were a lot of football games. And so one in particular towards the end of the season, it was, a, it was my 11-year-old Ben. It was his football game. And they were going for a two-point conversion. And I just had this feeling. I'm like, oh, I think he's going to score on this one. And so I took out my phone. I began recording because I, I want to try to catch a few of the moments to send grandma and grandpa, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I start recording, and sure enough, that's what happened. The quarterback draws back. He, he was playing fullback, goes out for a little pass into the end zone. I mean, it was, a, it was an awesome play. It was, went over the defender, kind of a leaping grab. It was very exciting. Uh, they were winning. It was just an awesome moment. I remember just being, you know, very proud in that moment. And I went back, and I looked at the uh, recording uh, just a little bit later because I'm like, I want to see that again. And I realized that as soon as he caught the ball, the phone like went way over here. Like it wasn't catching anything else that was going on because, you know, you're, you're cheering. And I had no idea. I thought I was keeping it steady the whole time, you know, uh, uh, you know ice in my veins type of a moment. No, nope. the phone had, you know, I, I was very distracted. And it's those types of moments as a dad that you get a, just a glimpse into what God thinks about us. I mean, it's not, it's not a full picture. It's just a glimpse of what God feels about us. We know this when we read through scripture and the, you know, whether it's you know, the story of the prodigal son or leaving the 99 for the one, you read it all over scripture that that is just a glimpse of how God feels about you. God has written his name on you, permanently marking you as his possession. And today, as we close, we're simply going to, the band's going to play and sing a song, and it's a song that I'm going to encourage you just to remain seated and and just to let the word soak into your heart. This is a message, this is tough for me because there's not really application as far as go do something now. I do really well with tasks, I do really well with to-do lists, I I live my life guided by lists and to-do and and action-oriented, I'm very much wired that way. But when I get to a message like this, it's not about doing, it's about being. And that's a little more uncomfortable for me. It's not go out and change, you know, here's the one, two, three, go out and do this. It's not that at all. It's simply being reminded of who you are in Christ and just being that. Peter thought the very first Christians needed to be reminded of that. And so he wrote to them in 1 Peter 2, 9. I'll read it one more time. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? God, we thank you right now. We thank you that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. 
We thank you that you have marked each and every one of us as your own. And God, I just pray right now that we would walk in that identity. We thank you for reminding us of who you are. And I know there's people in the room that might be on top of the mountain right now, but there's others that are in the middle of the valley, maybe being overcome by hopelessness, being overcome by emotion, real legitimate emotion that you gave them. But they need to be reminded this morning of who they are in you. That you're a God who reaches down into the miry pit and you pull us out. So God, I pray as we leave here today, we would walk in that identity of who we are in you. We thank you for it this morning.